Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the W-2 Prison Break Show. Appreciate you tuning in again. Just want to remind you before we get started with today's guest to go ahead and, and subscribe to our podcast. You can you can listen on all the favorite places you love to listen to your podcasts, or you can watch on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe and you can watch the video live. Okay, today our guest is Pancham Gupta. He is the host and founder of the Gold Collar Investor podcast, which is a great podcast. And the goal, the aim of his show is to help people in the fintech industry, high income earners who don't necessarily want to stay in that job forever, teach them, educate them on how to make money in different ways, learn how to make passive income using real estate and some other resources that we're going to talk about in the episode so that you can one day leave that job and get over get over the fear of, you know, hey, I've only got this one source of income. He spent 14 years in the fintech industry and he was able to leave that job. You're going to talk exactly about how he was able to do that. And now he's helping people, he's teaching people, and he's an investor. He's got a He's the founder of Mesos Capital, and they control over a couple hundred million dollars worth of assets. So this is definitely a grab your pad, grab your pen, take a bunch of notes, and listen in because you're really going to get some nuggets here. Pancham, welcome to the show, my friend. It's great to have you on. Thank you, Brian, for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to talk with you and get and dive into you know what you're doing now. But before we get to that and all the awesome stuff you're doing and all the people that you're helping, you know the audience wants to hear these W two prison break stories, and you definitely have one. And you know, just give us kind of a little bit of background on you, what you were doing before, you know, all the great things that you're doing now in investing and with your podcast, which we'll get into in a little bit. You know, just tell us, give us a little history, and, and then let's dive into the details of how you were able to break free of that. Sure. Well, thank you, Brian, for, for that question. I came to the U.S. I was born and brought up in India, and I came to the U.S. in 2003 to get my master's degree. And the idea at the time was that I'll come here, spend a couple of years working after my graduation, and then go back to India and start something of my own. That was the plan. So it worked out. You know, I graduated in 2005 and, you know, started working in New York City in the fintech industry. In 2009, me and my wife decided to sell everything. And, you know, we pretty much sold everything except we had one bed left. And we found out that we were expecting our first kid. And, you know, at that time, we decided, you know what, it's very hard to move even houses, forget countries during this time. So why yeah. not spend some, have our first bond here and then we'll move back. And in 2011, 
as the history <laughs> has it for us that we decided to stay here and that's when i actually started investing in this country so i you know read that purple book which i'm sure many of your listeners might have read which is rich dad poor dad and after that i read which actually had more impact on me was the cash flow quadrant book and you know that made a huge impact for me you know it was basically you have left side and the right side you know left side only earned 10% of the income or control 10% of the wealth and the right side control 90% of the wealth but 90% of the people were on the left and 10% on the right so it was kind of very clear for me that i wanted to be on the right the path wasn't clear but it was clear to me that i wanted to go there and so i invested started investing here as part of my you know hobby and started educating myself i bought two rental properties before i bought my own home and then slowly expanded my portfolio into five different states which i was managing through property managers i had you know small properties single family homes duplexes triplexes and then what happened was that at some point it became too much work all the works used to happen during the daytime i had my full time job and i was doing you know all these calls taking all these calls during my lunch time and you know it was getting a lot and i felt like you know what this is becoming another it was very hard to manage with my full time job let's put it that way and all during this time this hobby of mine became for a lack of better word addiction for me i was studying about real estate listening to podcasts like yours here and you know really learning about how to grow bigger faster and i stumbled upon syndications and that's when i realized that you know this is what i want to do and it was 2017 when i actually decided that in 2 years i would quit my job and i did quit in 2019 but it was really hard because i had my full time you know my job was really high paying job and i liked my job there was nothing wrong with my job it's just that i didn't see myself doing that for 50 years you know i was taking train each way one and a half hours of commute each way which is 3 hours total and i was listening to these podcasts and every single day i would ask this question to myself do i want to do this at the age of 50 and the answer was no so and the next question was why am i doing it now that was the thing and you know eventually i did quit it wasn't easy i did hire a coach and i have stories for that too i can get into that if you want me to but that's where i was and now you know if someone asked me what would i do differently i was really grateful for whatever happened and happened for good but if something was to change i would have quit sooner <laughs> yeah we all would right so yeah i love that story i took a bunch of notes so i might just go back a little bit so talk about the first couple of rentals that you purchased it sounds like they were near you and then you did some out of state how did you most of us read the purple book that you mentioned rich dad poor dad we're going to leave a link in the show notes cuz if you haven't read that book you got to read it you just need to and the other one too cash flow quadrant that's a must read i've read both and you know definitely will change the way you think about things especially your job yeah so you know there's always this gap between education versus the taking of the action part like was that difficult for you to grab those first couple of rentals i mean talk about maybe that process a little bit cuz that was really the start for you 
Yeah. So what happened was after I read this book and I, it was always in the back of my mind that I want to, you know, get into investing and not knowing a lot, especially I was not born and brought up here. So I had never seen anyone purchase a home ever in their life and didn't even know what all it took to actually do that. So I was just one day chatting with my neighbor who became a really good friend of mine. I was renting an apartment and he was living in the next door apartment and we became really good friends. And I told him, you know what? And the same time, my rent on my apartment went up like $400 from like $2,500 to like $2,900 approximately. So I was like, you know what? The rent has gone up crazy. Why don't we you know, invest our money, even if we break even after all the numbers we do, like, you know, we should just buy something. And that's what I did. Actually, we started looking for rental properties and we went to open houses and this is 2012, right? Like it was not hot real estate market that we know today. There were houses available everywhere and the numbers used to work for every deal, pretty much. It was just like, okay, which one you pick? So we bought one house and, you know, my friend decided to move into one unit and rent the other unit. So we jointly bought it. He stayed in one unit. He was paying rent for that, whatever we thought was a fair market value. And he needed a place anyway. And then, you know, we rented the other unit. So that was the first thing. And when we bought that, within three months of that, me and my wife, we bought our second rental. And we just sold actually both of them because I'm moving to Florida from New York. And just so after eight years, they both did actually 10 years almost. So they both did really well for us. You know, we wouldn't have sold them if we were not moving. Nice. I love it. And then I would imagine that, well, how did you acquire those? Did you use bank debt? Was it an all cash? I mean, what was the scenario there? It was bank debt. So... Mm-hmm. Both of us had really good jobs, so and it was a first home. It wasn't hard at all to get financing. Yeah. While you're in your W-2, you leveraged it to be able to get loans, to buy rental properties, and eventually that was like the catalyst for you to be able to leave, which I'm going to ask you about next. So then you got into syndications. For those of us who don't know what that is, can you give us kind of a high-level explanation? When you say syndications, what do you mean? Yeah, sure. So syndication is is a general term and you know it can be used in a lot of different things. So basically what that means is that you are syndicating a project. You are bringing together something, you're pooling resources to do a project together. So in case of real estate, what we do is we pool capital together and from the limited partners and general partners pool their knowledge and expertise together to actually run a project. So basically, you know, the resources are coming together and most of the deals that you see, they are getting done through syndications, all these bigger deals that you see a big hotel or something around the corner where you live is probably getting done through syndications. And I like to give an analogy of, you know, plane ride that, you know, think of this as everyone wants to, let's say you're taking a flight to Florida, Orlando, and you're in the plane and everyone in this plane, they have one destination, which is Florida. And then you have the pilot of the plane who's flying the plane, and then you have passengers who are sitting. So passengers are the limited partners and the pilot is the general partner and they all have one destination, which is Orlando. And 
in case of multifamily or any other project, the success of the project. So that's what syndication is. I love that explanation. That's a good analogy with the plane. So that's good. Okay. So you did all these rentals. I, I would assume a lot of them were single family. And then you made the leap to multifamily. Correct. So talk about maybe your first multifamily project that you got into. And was that a difficult jump from single family to multifamily? And how did you execute that? Yeah, it was quite difficult for us. Like me, I actually found my partner at my full-time job. And because he was in real estate, I was in real estate. We were both doing it separately. And one day we started talking and, you know, slowly we became partners and we did some flips together. And eventually we came down to multifamily together, right? So, you know, before we bought our very first building, which we actually closed, the we had looked at many, many deals. So I had these broker relations across these five different states. And I told every single one of them, you know what, we want to buy bigger buildings, like, you know, 10, 12, 15, 40 units. They started sending us deals. So me and my partner, we would go out and look at all these over the weekend to look at, check out these properties. And we would put in offers. We were not getting anywhere because we are engineers by background. And, you know, we have this issue with analysis paralysis, or at least used to, right? And we would, we were very analytical. And at that time, like 13, 2013, 14, 15, 16, if you really remember, the cap rates were, you know, eight to 10%. And we were put in an offer and let's say the deal is trading at 10 cap. And we would be like, you know what, this should be 11 cap. I think we are overpaying. So we would always be behind the market. That 10 became nine, nine became eight, eight became seven with the benefit of hindsight. Every single one of those deals, if you would have done them, would have been a slam dunk. But to answer your question now that it was very hard for us to actually close anything. And we even went under contract on a couple of buildings, which we didn't close because we found issues and whatever. Like we always found a reason not to do a deal. And and, you know, then we realized that, you know what, we need to hire someone to help us out with our, you know, look our shoulders, like to see that if there's anything that we're doing wrong. And in 2017, there is this deal, 44 unit building in Charlotte, North Carolina, that we actually bought as our very first multifamily deal. And that one, also, there's an interesting story that actually, you know, was listed for 1.75 and it wasn't listed, it was off market, but they were asking 1.75. We came, our first offer was 1.5 and they said 1.7. And we went back and we said 1.7. Okay, done deal. Because we were like, you know what? We don't want to you know, do the same mistake. They came back with 2 million and we we're like, all right, <laughs> sorry, we're not doing the deal, right? So this was January of 2017. And they had a good reasoning for it because there were four units that were burnt down. And they were like, you know what? By the time you guys buy it, it will be all up and running and you will have brand new units. And we said, okay, you know what? When you have that, let's talk then. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what happened. And eventually we ended up buying that at for 2 million. And, you know, that was our first deal. And it wasn't easy, to be honest. Like, you know, for us, capital raise wasn't a problem for us actually getting a deal which we felt was a good price under contract was a problem. Okay. Which is interesting because like a lot of people might think that the raise would be the more difficult part, but you find a good deal, the money comes, right? 
Yeah, I mean, for us, we were fortunate in that respect. Our first raise was $781,000. And mm-hmm. we were fortunate because we had this, like all this time, me and my partner separately, we were doing and even together some deals that we were doing real estate and all of our friends and colleagues knew what we were doing, right? They were actually coming to us to invest their capital. And we didn't want to take it at the time, you know, without even doing all the, you know, legwork and doing it properly. So obviously it took some convincing when we actually had the deal, but they were kind of partially warm leads. Let's put it that way. Nice. So 2017, you buy this 44 unit in Charlotte. You also mentioned in the beginning of the episode that that was the year that you decided you were going to leave your job by 2019. So was this the deal that kind of made that happen for you? No, that decision was made before that. And Hmm. it's just that, you know, when you decide and you're determined to do certain things, things fall in place, right? There's that saying, and, you know, I've started believing in that so much that, you just persevere and you follow what you want to do and it will come. And, you know, if you stayed the course. I love it. Now I have to assume that this was not just a stated goal, that this was probably written out. It was not only written out, it was actually spoken with our coach and he had the notes too from our very first call and when it eventually happened and, you know, It was great because it was written down. It was, you know, planned for. And you have someone holding you accountable, your coach. And then, you know, the power of writing it down. I mean, a lot of people just have goals floating around in their head. You know, I want to have this much money in my bank account or this many rentals, this many cars, but it's not written down. I mean, talk about the difference or how important it is to have your goals in writing and well-defined, not just stated you know, I want this, but, you know, maybe expand on that a little bit about what your goals look like. Yeah, no, exactly. So we, I actually do a journaling practice every morning Mm -hmm. where I write down, you know, things that I'm grateful for and, you know, the goals as well. Goals I don't do every day, but, you know, I have this whiteboard, which you probably can't see. I have written here goals and it says RPM method, which is results, purpose, and massive action. So this is from Tony Robbins, where, you know, you define what results you're trying to get out. Okay. And then you define the purpose. Why are you doing it? And then after you have that, you just take massive action, which is M and you write down the steps, what they look like. So I'll give you an example. Actually, it's on my board. It's a little stale because I haven't changed that part, you know, so I wanted to start a podcast you know this is not i had a podcast but i wanted to start some mindset series where i talk about you know five minutes about different things so that was the result i wanted the result that i want to do this and really want to help people and that was the purpose really help people to get this mindset things out and then i took massive action where i was like you know writing it down every weekend on what i want to talk about and now do the episode so that's how I do my goals where we have results. And when an RPM method, like me and my partner, we sit down every year. This year, we sat down in the beginning and every quarter we revise, you know, what are we trying to achieve? How many buildings we are going to buy and how many asks, you know, what are we trying to sell and all that stuff. Basically, we talk about it and actually write it down. 
Yeah, I love it. And I love the detail too. The detail is super important. You know, you just, you take your goals and just keep going, right? And, you know, script it out. That scripting is super important. Journaling is super important. I love the RPM method, result, purpose, massive action. I'm just going to repeat that again. You mentioned your podcast, Pancham. So let's just go right into that. Talk about your podcast, The Gold Collar Investor, and let's dive in. You're almost up to about 200 episodes, I think now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my 200th episode is going to go out next month. So yeah, my podcast is really about, you know, teaching people about personal finance. And we talk about all things finance. It includes asset protection, you know, life insurance to investing in gold and silver and, you know, in real estate. For most part, it's very heavy on real estate, different asset classes within real estate, because that's the group I'm around and, you know, they end up taking more space, like, you know, a lot many episodes as compared to, let's say, investing in gold and silver. So my podcast is about that. And I talk to my avatar is people like me, people like who are earning really, you know, making good salaries in their W2 jobs, people in the tech, big tech, working for Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and fintech industry in New York. I talk to those people and, you know, really help them with personal finance and diversifying outside of Wall Street. Yeah. And I would have to imagine that, because it was difficult for me, some of these folks that you work with for these big tech companies that are making half a million or more per year, it's probably very difficult for them to walk away from that, you know, even if they can get to a passive income standpoint where they just, maybe they don't feel like they can ever replace that income. Am I tracking in the right direction there? Absolutely. It is so true. And a lot of these people, they do like what they do and, you know, and they get rewarded handsomely. I was in the same boat, like I was making similar money and it was very hard for me to quit. And my wife, my parents, everyone was against me quitting actually. And I get that, right? Why that's the case because you're making so it's such a good salary. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It is very hard unless you know your why is so strong, like, you know, that you want, you would burn all the bridges if you want to quit. If you want to quit, it's very hard to do, extremely hard. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind sharing what your why is, and I assume that was the driving force behind you being able to leave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, my biggest why was that like, you know, the freedom of time, freedom of, you know, all these freedoms that everyone kind of talks about, like freedom of financial freedom, freedom of living from uh, working from anywhere. I'm moving to Florida. That's a decision I made. I actually made a decision to move out of New York right after I quit my job in 2019. But then 2020 happened, which is the pandemic in March of 2020. And, you know, there goes two years. And this is really the first year where we could really move freely. So that's where, so freedom of location, freedom of financial freedom, freedom of time, spending it the way you want. And then really at the same time, I always wanted to do something on my own because I really didn't see myself working in the corporate world. So those were my biggest why, you know, which is really spending time with your family and, you know, my kids a little spending time with them. Yeah. I mean, that's enough. You know, my why is my family too. I was away from them for years and years and years traveling in a corporate job. And if you can get behind that, then, because I think you would agree that, you know, 
being involved in real estate or having your own business is not necessarily going to be easier than what you were doing because it's going to come with its own set of challenges and you have to rely on that why when that does happen and it will we don't want to mislead anyone and think that you know you leave your job that everything is going to be perfect because it isn't you're still going to have challenges but you know if you can get behind that strong why that'll always push you through you know and get you to the next day i think you'd agree with that yeah absolutely absolutely there's absolutely no question about that and totally understand when i used to listen to all these motivational videos from tony robbins to different people motivational speakers they always talked about you need to know your why and i finally you know got that before i quit my job what that really meant you know walking away from a half a million dollar job it was not easy it definitely is scary and not easy to even i mean and really this could be true for whatever your salary is right i mean it's all relative you're making 50,000 yeah. or you're making you know half a million it's frightening so maybe whether it's you or maybe some of the people that you help your avatar as you said you know what are like other than money what are some of their blocks that you know maybe you're able to help them overcome or point them in the right direction where you know cuz i always think it's just a few tweaks right we overcomplicate it like if you just make a few changes in your life you can get to where you want to go you just have to take that massive action as you said yeah see for my avatar i think the biggest issue is that a lot of these people have immigrated to us and you know they're first generation here and we do have second generation people too the issue they just don't know things that robert kiyosaki talks about in cash flow quadrant basically not really knowing how to invest and thinking about you know creating cash flow creating multiple streams of income right you know people think that having a half a million dollar job is amazing yes it is but at the end of the day it's one paycheck right one source of income now if that goes away there goes everything so it's actually more risky than anything you can imagine so i guess the lack of financial education is one of the biggest block and that's not really my avatar that's pretty much a general case and then second from my avatar is that they are you know engineers by background and the same issue that we were having which is analysis paralysis like we analyze anything until they get paralyzed until they get paralyzed in making any decision so which i get you know i use this analogy i forget where i got this from that you know they wouldn't want to leave the house unless they have all the 10 signals green they can see it from their house when they leave you could will never get those 10 signals green there may be five of them green or eight and you just have to take action and take it you know to the next step yeah that's great you have to have a little bit of faith you know you got to take a little bit of a leap there so and look analysis paralysis i was stuck in it for years and i'm not an engineer but i get the mindset you know you just well this has to be absolutely perfect and then if it is perfect then maybe you still won't do it so eventually you have to you know take that step and dive in and figure it out it's never ever ever going to be as bad as you make it out in your mind because that's really what happens is we start projecting and telling these stories like oh this isn't going to work this is going to go bad what if i lose all my money you know and and then you end up not doing anything ever mhm exactly. exactly so you've got a book that let's talk about your new book correct 
The ebook, yes, yeah. yeah. You know, we actually, after talking to so many people over the on the podcast and so many investors who are engineers, we actually put together the engineer's guide to passive investing. We talk about all the mindset related issues that we have touched on here and how to overcome in that, and you know, really the benefits that these guys have, especially because they're making good salary to create this financial freedom, you know, and retire comfortably. So that's that guide. It's actually available for download to anyone. It's on mesoscapital.com, M-E-S-O-S, capital.com forward slash download. And that's where they can go out and get this guide. We just put this out, you know, hope people like this. And yeah, so that's that mesoscapital.com forward slash download. And it's the ingenious guide to passive investing, correct? Right. Yes. So Mesos Capital is our investing company, which we, you know, use. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to checking that one out for sure. So Pancham, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in your intro about advice, like you would have started sooner, but you know, for someone who is thinking of leaving their job or trying to, you know, like they're just getting started, right? They're you, right? They're riding on the train three hours each day, which is crazy, you know, but that's how York is, right? The commutes are nuts, but you use that time wisely. I was going to commend you on that is a lot of, you probably see a lot of people, you know, watching Netflix or not doing anything or whatever, social media, you use that time to educate yourself. What advice would you give to someone in that similar scenario that, doesn't want to be doing this when they're 50, as you say, like what would be the starting point for them? Because I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. Like, what do I do first? Right. So I think the answer might be repeating a few things, but here's the thing, right? If someone is trying to quit or thinking of quitting, and basically I'm assuming they don't like what they're doing, or they want to be out of the job or whatever that is that, and they want to start something on their own or become a live the life of their dreams. In order to achieve that, right, they have to really be clear on what they actually want, right? Their wants, needs, and desires, right? And in order to achieve those, in order to be clear on what you really want, you have to sit down and really think about without any you know, layers of doubt, fears, uncertainty. And that's where sometimes coaches help out because as soon as I or anyone I talked to, I know I was in job, a lot of people wanted to quit and it still are there and they want to quit, but they haven't done anything. The reason is that the fear, uncertainty have that clarity and that comes with really, you know, for me, it came through meditation. It was not easy. I was very clear. My vibe became really strong. And that's first step. And the second step is once you've done the first step, then whatever that looks like, maybe you want to start your own bakery. Maybe you want to start your own you know, hair salon, whatever that looks like, right? Then you need to start educating yourself towards that. I actually interviewed one guy, actually two or three different people who actually help people in getting franchises out, right? Like get into franchising business. And he said a line which actually stuck with me. He was like, you know, franchising is like dating, dating, you know, where you're trying to see if business is for you or not, right? Mm -hmm. 
and you do minimal investment or some investment, but everything is laid out for you. Your systems are laid out for you. You know exactly what to do because someone actually did that for you. Yeah, you shared some part of the profits with the company that you're franchising for, but then you get everything on your plate and then you start your own business, right? It may feel like a job, but then he has one guy, you know, which I forget the story, but the ex-Marine guy, who started with one hair salon and eventually had 20 and making a million dollars just from that. And he doesn't even go to any one of them at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever that looks like, the first point, whatever you want to do, then start educating yourself towards that. And then that will throw breadcrumbs. Like we said, you have to then have some faith and just march towards that. Yeah, I love it. That's great. So get clear, get clear on what you want. I mean, I think there's most of the world is probably not clear on what they want to do. They're just going through the motions. And then something you mentioned that's super important is getting a coach, hiring a mentor. I went through the majority of my adult life after college without having a coach or a mentor of any kind. And it was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made and why I was in a corporate sales for 25 years and not chasing my dreams was because I thought I could do it all on my own. And it wasn't until I hired a coach that I was able to make some massive in my life. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you one thing to your point. So I have spent more on coaches as of now, you know, which I spent probably or my parents spent probably from starting from when I was born to the all through my graduation from master's degree all combined together, including my living expenses, for all of this time, I spent more than that already on coaches that, you know, which I did. And I think that money has been that coaching and that money, I think of it as an investment rather than as an expense and has paid, uh, you know, without knowing, I haven't done the numbers, but it's probably much more than 10, 20x at this point. I couldn't agree more. I've spent a ton of money on coaching as well. And I'm in the same boat as you in terms of the return. It is an investment in yourself. And that's why you have to treat it. You know, we're very quick to go out and buy, you know, spend 40, 50, $60,000 on a car, but we want to invest $5,000 in ourselves, right? So <laughs> it really is a mindset shift. And it all starts with you. You have to invest in yourself first and then let the investments buy all those nice things. If that's truly what you want, that's a great share, Pancho. I appreciate it. Before we wrap up, I just want to I want to ask you about, because I know you like to read your big on books. Are there any books that you're reading right now that you want to share to the audience? Yeah, I'm reading right now Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah, you know, it's a great book. I'm still, I haven't implemented anything yet, but I think I'm trying to change certain habits and I think I'll use that to change my habits. Yeah, it's a great book. I've read that one as well. Anywhere besides the passive investing book, anywhere you, where you want folks to go and your podcast, which is, is that give the link for the podcast if you can. Yeah, the podcast is The Gold Collar Investor. The name came from, you know, how you have blue collar, white collar jobs. You know, these jobs are like gold collar. I call them gold collar jobs. And, you know, that's where the name came from, Gold Collar Investor. So yeah, that's the podcast. If you want to go there, thegoldcollarinvestor.com. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, anywhere, you can just find me. 
All right. Excellent. Okay. Before we go, any final thoughts, anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share today? You've given some great nuggets here. No, I think my final thoughts are the same that, you know, listen, you've been great host and you coach as well, Brian, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, coaching is something that has changed my life. And I hope, you know, people who are on the fence take a leap of faith. Definitely, you know, if you're stuck somewhere, if you're, you know, have a mental block, give coaching a shot. Awesome. I love it. And yeah, sometimes it's just a little mental block and you get over that and, you know, the world can open up for you. Pancham, I really, really appreciate you spending the time with us today and sharing your awesome story. I mean, it's inspiring for sure. You gave up a lot to get to where you are, but I know it's definitely worth it. I look forward to having you on again someday. And uh, everyone, make it a great day. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to you busting out.